0: Actions, Responses to Trafficking,
1: the podcast that shines a spotlight on new and established trafficking responses in the UK
2: and beyond.
0: Hello and welcome back to Actions, the Responses to Trafficking podcast. I'm Catherine Baldacchino and this is a podcast where I speak to people who are working in different ways to respond to trafficking in order to help share their work with other people working in the field. This evening, I spoke to Lucy Butt and Holland Preston, who are the co founders and trustees of the Bramber Bakehouse. We discussed their work to support female survivors of trafficking through focusing on employability skills and baking. We spoke in December 2020. Thanks for downloading this episode, and please get in touch with any feedback or further questions via Actions Podcast on Twitter. So welcome back to Actions. Today I'm speaking with Lucy Butts and Holland Preston who are co-founders and trustees of the Bramber Bakehouse. Welcome to both of you. Thanks for making the time to speak to me today. Thanks for having us. Hello, Yeah thank you. So great to have you. Thank you. Uh, Could you tell us more about yourselves, your backgrounds, your journeys to this point and what you do when you're not at the Bramber Bakehouse? Perhaps starting with you Lucy?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Lucy. I live in Eastbourne. I am married to Richard, but um, I have two little ones under the age of two, which keeps me busy at the moment. Um, And I have a full time job at the moment in central London, which I am looking to leave and start the new venture at Bramber part time in the new year. So um, I've worked in the events industry for 10 years and I'm moving on to do charity work so that's me
0: brilliant very busy by the sounds of it
1: (laughs) yes And um, Holland. My name's Hollin. Yeah, I'm um, Hollin, and I'm married to Dan. I have a, we have a daughter called Harper. And uh, when I'm not at Bramber, I am a secondary school teacher for my sins, uh, which I really enjoy locally. I also live in Eastbourne. I'm originally from Romford in Essex or London, depending who you talk to. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's So we've been involved in Bramber now since 2014 when we started it. So yeah.
0: Fantastic. And what is it that motivates you about this field, this sector in particular?
2: Um, I particularly always wanted to work with women and help them kind of understand and navigate their sense of worth and purpose. So for me, um, combining that with a love of baking was um, kind of the start of it, really. And um, yeah, just being able to help a lot of um, amazing women and just see them kind of their lives transform has been um, a great a great thing to say so yeah that's me um
1: yeah so for a long time been passionate about women particularly like women equality so, um since a young age I've been involved with girl garden my mum has been a brown owl uh, as long as I can remember and so <laughs> it was all very much about women and that kind of thing and then I I don't remember the first time I heard about trafficking or modern slavery Um, but I just remember being outraged for a long time and yeah, so just kind of on that journey and then thinking this is something that I want to change. This is kind of combines two passions together, really. So, yeah fantastic thank you
0: so let's delve more into what's clearly both of your passion the Bramber Bakehouse which is based in the south of England southeast of England uh, is an artisan bakery working with female survivors of trafficking for those less familiar can you give a quick overview of the origins of the organization so
2: um, we start sorry go on Holland you go
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> fine I don't mind um yeah so we started um Lucy and I have known each other for a while, a good few years after, uh, before, sorry, that we kind of formed Bramber and a couple of kind of years prior to 2014 some friends and I kind of met weekly to kind of discuss kind of injustice issues and things and and I'm very practical and so I kind of wanted to do something with with this kind of passion particularly now for being into this kind of slavery and modern human trafficking and I had this kind of idea of like a cafe and obviously being a teacher I'm quite passionate about education and I kind of thought we could combine those two ideas and I mentioned it to my husband and said oh I kind of want to do Something where you know you can train women that have come from these situations to give them jobs, and he said, "Oh, you should talk to Lucy. She's she's had a similar idea, or knows somebody that has a similar idea." So we met up and we t- and talked about it. And I heard Lucy's vision for this bakery um, that would work with women and kind of regain their self worth and and that kind of area. And I just remember listening, and at the time, Lucy had recently met Rich, and they were about they were getting married. And she was moving to London and I was thinking, oh, no, that's annoying. Because <laughs> yeah. I, obviously I was in Eastbourne, I wanted to stay in Eastbourne. And, she, and I said, oh, what, what do you think? Where do you think you're going to do it? And she's like, oh, I really feel like it's down in, in Eastbourne. And I was like, yes. Um, and so we kind of just talked about it and I just said, oh, I've had a really similar vision. Like, shall we do it together? And we went away, thought about it and and then kind of came back and said, no, I think this is a team thing. And the people that I'd been meeting with. Um, over that like kind of 18 months two years prior I said are you up for joining in the team and they were like yeah so we kind of very quickly formed this team out of friendship and my husband was is and was part of it and we just kind of create just a bunch of friends going let's just Mm. do something about this and and it just doing it with somebody else is just help just brilliant I mean it has its challenges in in ways but I think it is just really great to do it with particularly with friends it's it's really great so yeah Mm. Excellent, thank you
2: for sharing that. So it's been a few years from what you've just said? Yeah, this will be our, so we're in our sixth year, going into our seventh year now. So yeah, it's been, um, what we wanted to do is to start something kind of where we were at and we were quite um, inexperienced at the time. Like we bought a lot of skills in like marketing and, um, you know, organizing and education but we, we weren't kind of working in the sector at the time. So that was quite a challenge for us. And to be able to bring that team together and then we kind of went out and spoke to experts who were in the field, um, that was really helpful because then they kind of helped us create a pilot scheme back in 2014 mm. that we've then just adapted year on year um, to a point now where it's kind of it's it's in its... Um, yeah, kind of mid stages, if you like. I wouldn't say it's completely there yet, but we we know what works and what doesn't work, um, and we're kind of changing it next year to make sure that women can get the best out of it than they possibly can. And that must have been
0: incredible, sort of developing an idea and then taking it to people who were already working in the sector, and clearly they really validated it because they were really obviously enthusiastic about it and wanted to also help with its fruition.
2: Mm. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I think. Um, everyone had an opinion about how we should do it and I think at the start we had some ideas about it that we were kind of things that we weren't going to move on and there were other things that we needed experience on Mm -hmm. so to be able to take both of those and create something was was really good and we had a lot of support from the south, the safe houses in the south east um, in what we were doing and once we had kind of managed to build that trust with them and they were seeing women come to us and then go back to their accommodation and seeing the difference that made it kind mm. of then was a snowball effect. So yeah, mm. we've had a lot of, a lot of great support um, and the women that get referred to us, a lot of them come from um, safe houses that use us kind of year on year for training and support. Amazing, that's so great.
0: So can you tell us more about the programme itself? How does it operate? What does the programme
1: look like? Yeah, so um, currently, and this has been happening since 2016, think is the right um that we run eight monthly programs across a year um at on a weekend and the ladies that lucy's mentioning that come from different safe houses around the southeast they uh, travel down to us and then we have kind of two parts of the workshop so the first part is that is the baking workshop and uh, for the first few months we're just kind of teaching skills like I'm not a baker so I so I'm really not a baker at all so they kind of teach the basic skills and I'm always like looking and going oh okay that's how you do that all right uh, and then <laughs> the second part of the workshop is we partnered <laughs> with an organization that I'm sure you've probably come across as Sophie Hayes Foundation which mm-hmm. is an employability um, program that we run alongside ours and I think one of the things that Lucy saying we got a lot of kind of support from people and one of our big things is like partnership. We just think it's so important, like not in reinventing the wheel. And if somebody's doing what you want to do, then let's partner. And we kind of did that with Sophie Hayes right from the beginning. They're a bit of a blessing actually and a bit a bit of a good good find in the early stages. And so, yeah, so the first few months they do baking skills and then ca- go through the kind of program that Sophie Hayes have created. And then kind of the month three, we then go into kind of pop-up cafes where they kind of, we sell what we make. So it kind of, excell- the program in terms of baking accelerates and they start making ba- ma- like mass product and, and batch making um, to then sell. And the idea is, and it's usually worked, <laughs> is that whatever they sell then funds the project um, both going mm. forward and then funds the, ne- the next stage of the project too so yeah and they just lo- love it like the, the therapeuticness of baking it's not a word yeah. but therapeuticness <laughs> of baking <laughs> is now <laughs> is just amazing and I think I think initially I was like oh it's a bit of baking because I'm not a natural baker and then you watch it and you think gosh actually this is really significant and I think mm. a lot of the time they gain this as much out of doing the baking as they do talking about kind of future and their purpose and their careers and just com- the com- combination of both those things is quite powerful so that runs for eight months um and then we have a graduation on the last month which is most of our highlights where we like really celebrate what we've achieved over the last eight months and Mm -hmm. and just some of the feedback like we get it always just goes we just can't believe that we're part of it when we hear how how much of impact it's made Mm -hmm. and you just read some of these comments and you just think oh my goodness this is this is quite special to be part of somebody's life in this way but yeah
2: and I think what also just to add to that like what's been great is that you know you've got the great organizations that are doing the awareness and they're doing the prevention and they're doing the kind of first stage after they've been rescued from their situations of trafficking but we're not there that's not us they do that really Mm -hmm. well and for us it's about having a space where they can come and and it takes their mind off what's happened before and flips it and they see it in a negative in in a positive way so Mm. rather than us kind of talking about it in depth with them obviously if that opportunity is is around we will take that and we will talk to them about it but really it's about them having a space where they can build community with other like-minded individuals who have gone through similar trauma and Mm. have a break from that learn a skill feel encouraged and confident to then go out into the world of work afterwards so Mm. it's kind of that it's that journey isn't it from the prevention all the way to the other end where they're gaining independence and we're kind of at that other end.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I really like how you describe the kind of the role that different organizations play at different stages of people's journey and and the the part that you see yourselves sort of fitting in. Um, Does that mean that the women accessing your program are already um, either in the national referral mechanism or kind of exited from that and accessing longer term support? Or do you ever get people sort of very early after they've been removed or recovered from exploitation?
1: um we tend to get people that are through the referral mechanism partly that's our criteria to ensure that we're reaching people that we've said we're going to reach mm. um they tend to be most of the time at least 6 months that's probably the earliest from memory that we've had somebody taken out of their situation um and and part of it is that is that accessibility to the course and if somebody has rec- you know either has recently come out of it so or so recently or is still really suffering acutely you know the, the tra- post-traumatic stress or you know whatever situation yeah. they may find themselves in if they're really suffering from that they won't access the court and what we're offering they won't be able to access it and it has a neg- negative impact upon them but also upon the cohesion of the group and so we're quite specific about that in our referral just because it needs to be a success for them and like Lucy's saying we're not prevention we're not after care Um, Mm. and so it's important that we're clear on who we're helping but yeah
0: Mm. and so the women that are part of the program there it sounds the way you've described it they they very much form a group that then sort Mm. of travels together during this Mm. this eight month program did you say it was every weekend for eight months or, or one weekend a month over eight
2: months? So at the moment we run it once a month um, and that just worked at the time with our capacity because we're all mm. volunteers. Um, but we have identified the need for it to be more regular and a lot of the ladies that were coming to us said they want it to be every week and they would come every week. And um, yeah, so what we're doing next year is is changing that so that it will be um, a 12-week course and they'll meet once a week um, so that they can just regularly see each other build community have like a continuous kind of thing to look forward to this weekly because it's very difficult when you meet once a month to build relationship with people because you're mm-hmm. seeing them and then it might be four weeks before you're seeing them again um so yeah we just want to be able to make sure that that's um just really enjoyable for them and it's it's a good length of time um, and then we can pack as much kind of baking and essential skills into that time as well for them.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things that we've like always loved is that community. That's for us. It's kind of one of the most important aspects of the, the course. And so mm. we um, have been very fortunate that we partnered with Waitrose for our ingredients plus lunch. And so the lunch is always great, wow. and it's mm. but it's a real central part of the day. And it's like where we all every all volunteers and um, the ladies themselves all sit down together, and we just eat lunch and we chat and and we catch up. And and because obviously when you're break you're baking, in your midst of it. You don't they don't really talk. They're just so diligent with the baking, and so they don't really like engage much in conversation. Whereas lunchtime, they everyone just chats and talks, and we listen to music and we chill. And so like it's the community aspect of it is so important, and it definitely definitely develops as the months go on so it and so we're we're quite excited about what that could look like when it's Mm. when it's more regular I think it could be Mm. so much stronger Mm. yeah and you adapting the program
0: to be um once every weekend over 12 weeks really shows that you've heard the feedback and you're really sort of evolving the program according to the needs of the people accessing it um how have you selected the the skill sets that sort of then part of the training that people go through like do people have choices about the types of things they're trained in or the types of topics they want to pursue or the types of things they want to do with the program
2: once they're in it so um we have sort of two sections so we've got the baking side of things and that's a curriculum that we've pulled together ourselves you'd start with your basic baking skills and then you'd work all the way up to more kind of difficult things like bread making perhaps kneading that kind of thing um for the employability side of things that is dictated by the sophie hayes foundation and that's their day 46 program which they've run year on year um and what we try to do there is is give them a little bit more um yeah just freedom so although we're teaching them you know the importance of self-worth and your value and what your purpose is and trying to define that purpose it's then how we tailor that to each individual so um we might do interview skills or cv writing with them but that will be linked to if they know what their profession is they want to go into perhaps that so they might create a plan a and a plan b Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll work with them to kind of see how they can get into that in the future so there is freedom within it but it is also quite structured I think that's actually important to have that structure as well I think they appreciate that as well
0: mm. um, and is there an eligibility criteria for the program can women access the program if they don't have the right to work in the UK or unable to pursue sort of job options
1: beyond the program or is there specific criteria um yeah they it tends to be quite accessible obviously for those people um who are able to work you know the the tailoring the kind of employability side is Mm -hmm. definitely more um beneficial than you can um and I think one thing it does for those people at the moment who've yet to gain right to remain for example um it shows what is possible and it shows the steps that they would need to get in order to get there once, if and when that is granted. Yeah. I think it, it can be quite helpful for some people who volunteer. I know there's some restrictions in regards to hours and what they can and can't do. But what it does, what we have found that it does, is it shows, you know, whether they're going to volunteer or employment, that they've committed to something, which is often something that they've not been able to show. It's not that they obviously can't do it. For some reason it is more difficult than others, but it's that they've committed something if over a sustained period of time... We've written references uh, for people both to the home office and other things. To, and part of that is to say this person is committed to this program. They've shown a great mm-hmm. level of um, dedication to it and they've really flourished in it. So that's one of the benefits for those people that maybe don't have the right to remain that we can give references, particularly to the home office. But for also for those that would like to work in the future, it's kind of a nice guide and stepping stone into how yeah. they do that. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it does. I'm sure it's really helpful that people can
0: as you say like have a program that they can show that they've been committed to and equally they have the yeah. experience of then which can be and be used on their CV and, and in applications. Are all the women who ac- women who access the program all already based in the southeast
2: when they start the program or have some moved to be in the program? At the moment we haven't had anyone that I'm aware of that's moved to be on the program but we do have quite a a large reach so um I mean we're in Eastbourne but we've kind of gone as far as um you know North North Kent um North London um so we do get quite quite a number of referrals that come from around the southeast Mm -hmm. um we know that there's a bigger demand than just the southeast and we are aware of that um and it's something that we're looking into um and we hope to be able to to kind of help and facilitate that in the future in some ways um but yeah at the moment it really is quite surprising how far they they will travel for it and I think Mm. for us that's been a real confirmation that what we're doing is needed because they they will travel for two hours on the train um and they want to do that more regularly and that's that's a big ask actually um but they yeah they never complain they're always just very happy to have the
0: opportunity <laughs> and what are some of the impacts that people uh, experience as part of the the program
1: um so some of the like feedback so at the end of every um workshop like eight months we do an evaluation form on the last session and a lot of the ones that have come through the last couple of years are things like i've regained my confidence um i've I've seen that people see me as somebody who's got something to give you know that they they, they mm. say it in a much different way than that but um and that there are people out there that are willing to help them and there are people out there that are not there to gain anything it's just an opportunity to people to kind of show love to them and that and that's always been so lovely because it you know obviously it makes us feel lovely that we can do this type of thing and it makes us feel Mm. good but as Lucy said like we're all volunteers so it's very much a sacrifice on our time and efforts and all this kind of thing but when you get that feedback you suddenly go oh gosh that's so worth it that they just feel like that there's somebody who's cheering them on and and often we've had one I think this time where the, the, the person said to me that I can't believe strangers would do this And I I suppose for for them, unfortunately, their experience of, of strangers hasn't been positive. So to kind of actually put from a personal perspective, put that trust that there are people that are good. And there are people that are are willing to cheer you on, even though they don't know who you are yet. And that's been really positive. And I think one story that we had of success of this last workshop that finished recently was a lovely lady who had a real tough time before she kind of came on the program with mental health and just those kind of things. And just by doing this eight, this eight month program, she she told us this lovely story where she felt like we had just given her her life back. And just, you know, just for all the elements of the programme and the people and so much so that she's um, just applied to go to university and have been accepted. And you just and you just think, you know, that she obviously had that desire in her. We didn't put that in there, but something by coming on the programme and through the support that she'd had for other services had brought out that I can, I can attitude. And Mm. I think that's probably one of our. In terms of like measurable successes, I think that's probably the one where we always go, oh, gosh, that's that's quite amazing. So, yeah, that's what ladies get from me, I think.
0: Mm. and you also mentioned um at certain intervals you also sell the things that have been made through the program and that's partly how you keep the program funded um have you noticed any potential impacts on the communities that you're engaging with as part of the program so not only the women that are part of it but the the external communities that you're working with
2: Mm. I think um yeah we I mean we definitely have and I think the biggest thing has been raising awareness of the issue and that that is on your doorstep because Mm. a lot of people will often if they have no involvement or no knowledge of human trafficking at all they'll come in and they'll think they'll have certain thoughts about it and perhaps that women that are doing that are doing it because they've chosen to do that and when you actually educate people about what's happened to them and why it's happened to them their opinion suddenly changes and you really Mm. see people's compassion come out i think like with what we're doing it it works as a social enterprise so we're we're selling baked product and you're always going to get people that don't care about the reason they actually just want the product so they just you know (laughs) they're really keen to have a really good sausage roll so we've got to strike that balance between the people that are really passionate about social justice and helping individuals that need help, and those that actually don't really care about that, but they just really love food. So it's it's being able to get yeah. that balance between the <laughs> two, but then also for the people that just love food, it's actually trying to tap into their compassion. And I'm saying I'm saying that like they have no compassion, but you know it's just not, <laughs> not there they just don't care. You know they just want to they just want they just want sausage roll. Um but yeah. <laughs> but we all... it, it, no, it, <laughs> but in all seriousness it is actually they're the people that you want to impact because yeah. they're gonna keep coming back if your product's mm. good, but if you can then tie in the message of why you're doing it, then that's gold. Um yeah. so yeah, it, it has been it has been amazing and we've got some amazing people that um fund the project as well and just give continually to us monthly. Um And yeah, it's just yeah, we're really lucky, and yeah, we've got a lot of great supporters. I
1: think I think the other thing that we found as well is that people who are really kind of on the issue because it has been more prevalent in the news and things over the last Mm. few years. So so the issue is becoming more into people's minds than maybe it would have done when we definitely when we first started. But the people want to help, and particularly with baking, you get a lot of people going, "Look, I can bake." You know, and I'm in my head going, I don't think you have to bake to be able to do this, but that's fine. Um, and they're like, I can bake, I can give my hands. And obviously you've got so many issues with the ladies in terms of safeguarding in in you know, particularly safeguarding, to be honest. And you have to be really cautious. But what we found is we're saying buy our product and that is helping. Like that's that's helping yeah. us. And actually what it's also been able to do is kind of decipher people that we think oh, actually we could use your skill set. And like, kind of filter mm. the right people because lots of people do want to help us, but it what has been able to us to go, "Oh, that's brilliant, Buy a cake. That's the way you can help us. And so it's a real practical. Kind of response that people do and stuff, and also just one. My favorite one is with this little boy. We had our cakes laid out, and the mum didn't have any money. She goes, "I'm so sorry, I'll bring some next time." And I said, "That's fine, it's fine." And I walked off, and the boy turned around. He's only like three. He turned around, he just picked up a brownie and just ate it, and then put it back. <laughs> I was like, "You can take that. We can we can suffice two pound fifty for that. You take that one."
2: That was my favorite. You don't want that anymore. <laughs> no. <That's laughs>
1: <what I'm
0: saying>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And really interesting to hear that, because it's true, a lot of organisations do get a lot of interest from people that want to help, that have skills mm. they feel could be used. And and you're right, safeguarding is such a central concern in everybody's mind. Um, but it is nice that you've got something to actually, you can channel people's enthusiasm and energy and, and goodwill into something that is really tangible and meaningful for the programme, yeah. uh, without having to kind of turn people away or kind of politely decline their offer of support. Yeah, definitely um and so there's so many things that I want to unpick about the program what are the what are some examples of good practice that you'd like to share maybe with someone who's interested or considering this type of initiative
2: I think the first thing for us which has been fundamental is having a good team around you um and we have been really lucky that we have always had a great team and year on year that team has increased and we started with I think Five of us we've now got a a team of 14 um and they all bring different skills and I think like when particularly because we've been volunteering you have to have people around you that are really passionate and they're really driven about what you're doing and they're really trustworthy and we have just been really lucky that we've managed to get that um and I think yeah it it would have been easy for us just to go out and just do it on our own, but actually we would never have seen the successes that we've seen so far. So I think, yeah, me and Holland working together, but also having the other volunteer team around us has just been amazing, an amazing thing. I think everyone needs that really to succeed
1: yeah I think the other thing that we found and only relatively recently within the last year is when we first started we obviously wanted to set up a charity to reap all the benefits that you know being a charity has and so the team that we created this amazing team that Lucy's mentioning we's like we we'll all just be trustees <laughs> so we all became trustees because that's what you had to do and then it was just kind of over time we just realized Lucy and I were just like we're not propelling we, we can't quite see the next stage because we're newbies we're novices we don't know what we're doing we're just guessing and i think our kind of skill set had reached a certain point and we needed to bring other people in that had more experience than we did and so we kind of made the decision kind of back in like may 2019 god may 2020 would be awful it? may 9 2019 and said so we're going to change the governance of the charity and so we brought on um new trustees and that has made an exceptional difference to to where we're going and like we said like we know we're changing it to next year that has only really happened through the help of these trustees and and having a broad range of experience so one person who that we thought we would never get was um, a lady called Anne Reid who used to head up the Salvation Army trafficking and trafficking unit now Mm. she's she doesn't know this but me and Lucy are biggest fangirls of Anne Reba ever (laughs) and we want to be her best friend but we can't feel like we can get to that point yet but but if she does listen to this then this is an official invitation to be Lucy and my best friend and she's and that's people (laughs) and people like Anne, kind of she's just amazing to us we were like oh, we'll just ask she's gonna say no and she said yes and just her experience in, obviously, with, you know, trafficking has been phenomenal mm. in terms of how you cater this program, the developing program for women. And then we've got yeah. other, a few other people in business and kind of in the, in the hospitality industry and all this kind of thing. And I just think if you're going to start something, be brave with who you're asking to help you and mm. um, and ask those people that you don't think you're going to say yes. And then eventually, after you wear them down, they might become your best friend. So <laughs> but yeah that's what I was saying so wearing people
0: down and persevering at the top lines there
1: (laughs) yeah and just be brave just be just be daring ask ask if you know that they might say might have time they might say yes and if they don't that's okay like you never know unless you ask
2: yeah I mean we've we've always been like that Holland and I are both like that in in that we're, we're not afraid um to ask and sometimes we've asked really bold things and asked for large amounts of money and i I just think you just have to do it, and um you know we're never rude about it, but we're just we're just yeah, we're just brave about it, and we just ask and and um, and it's always paid off and I think the other thing um with good practice and just thinking about people that might want to start similar things or you know anything really is is to collaborate and we're really really keen advocates of collaboration and we've seen that with the Sophie Hayes Foundation but also with the safe houses that we work with as well and um just thinking about my role as I go forward to work for Bramber in in February it's how we can then build that on that collaboration I think that's where what you're doing Kat is really great because you're you're filling the gap of lots of people needing to communicate and understand what's going on in the sector and and that's really great and I think there's a lot of other things that could be done there to kind of help people to connect and collaborate together so that it's um less of kind of lots of different people doing things but it's actually lots of people doing things but together you know so yeah yeah definitely
0: Yeah, definitely agree. And thanks for that as well. Um, but yeah, totally agree. I think there is so much energy and so much skill and there is so much to be done. So, you know, there's no point in duplicating. I think, yeah, collaboration is absolutely fundamental to all of this. So thanks specifically for highlighting that as well. Um, are there things that you wish you knew when you started? So things maybe that didn't work so well initially, or things that you sort of learnt by trying. And do you want to share any?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Where do we Where do we start? You know, with that? <laughs> I, my fav- my favourite one, and I don't know. We we there's no way of doing this. So we basically, when we we um, at the moment, the the premises we use is rented, and it's beautifully given to us for free which is a real blessing um but some of the equipment is a little bit rubbish like and so we have to redo it and my favorite one was when the ovens just stopped working like just full out stopped working and we were batch making to sell the next no. day and we're like we've got to make 300 cakes they're just not working it's is awful and and actually so in the end we went to Lucy's parents like they've got a nice house bless them but like you know just a standard bog standard oven and poor Ruth Wickens two two ovens, two, 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 ovens, two others Ruth Wickens Lucy's mum just um <laughs> baked 300 cakes and we just tried and it wasn't close they live about 10 minutes away from where we were supposed we to like take these unbaked cakes but yeah take them in the back of the car
2: yeah oh gosh I'm, yeah. I'm never doing that again <laughs> no
1: um and we so did that, it that but was- we did it we did it, and actually, do you know what? We look back at it now, and we think if we talk about it and we laugh, and it, it, I don't remember it being overly stressful. I remember mm. it being like, oh gosh, we've got to sort of the ass but it, it didn't feel manic. And if you tell somebody that we baked three hundred cakes in a in a you know domestic oven, you'd be like, oh my life, that must be awful. And it it <laughs> wasn't great. We were like, ah, but we just I think we just got to the point where like like Lucy said, we're just not afraid. We just went okay this is a delight there but let's go and it was stressful in points but I, I just don't remember looking back going oh gosh that you know it was it didn't feel mad I don't know if Lucy might disagree maybe I've just got rose tinted glasses about the whole situation <laughs> but it didn't feel particularly manic and I think one thing that we've learned from that is like okay if we can cook 300 cakes in a domestic oven we can do anything like it it did kind of prove that this is the worst thing that could happen (laughs) and it's happened so yeah that was my favorite moment
2: (laughs) yeah I think I'm I'm quite an obsessive personality type and I like to make sure that everything's right and perfect before we start and I think when we first started and had the idea I wanted the vision to be in its entirety completed and I wanted bakery I wanted to own it I wanted us to have a kitchen that had all the best equipment Mm. and it just it was never going to happen that way um so (laughs) I think once we once we kind of reality hit that was never going to happen and then just thinking what can we do with what we have now Mm. that was when it started to work so I think um yeah obviously it's important to have big goals and things like that but actually just starting where we were and then working our way up to here has been great because otherwise we would literally still be still be talking about the idea and actually never doing yeah. it and mm-hmm. when I've spoken to people that have had similar ideas in the past or wanted to start things and they've said oh we don't have a start date and even last week I was talking to someone they said oh you know we don't have a start date when we want to do it I said just just put a stake in the ground and say we're going to start this in June next year and you know it's got to be realistic of course but unless you're doing that it's very difficult to work towards that you could just keep going oh we'll do this we'll do this we'll do this and for us it was just saying no we're going to do this in September and we're going to we're going to have women coming to us in September and we were really fortunate that worked out that way but yeah just kind of going going for it being realistic but going for it at the same time yeah I think
1: the other thing as well like we had that didn't we we were there was a period of time that was quite frustrating like Lisa we had this huge vision and we had no idea how to do it and we started small and that's how we had the one monthly eight one monthly workshops and I think but I look back at that time of just that frustration of waiting and within that that's where we got all the a lot spoke to so many people and it kind of fed that this is what it could look like. And I think maybe, you know, it, there is, like Lucy said, there is something going right. Well, I'm going to do this, but and set putting, what's the phrase? Stake in the ground. Is that what you said? Mm. What, wasn't it? Yeah. Putting a stake. Nice, <laughs> nice phrase. Uh, putting a stake <laughs> in the ground and then going, okay, that's when I'm doing it. What do I need to know before I get there? And, you know, you're never going to know everything. We stick, as you'd like, you've probably wrote, worked out, we don't know everything now, but it is about investing in your knowledge and and making sure that you know as much as you can in order to make it as much as a success is is going to be so yeah Mm.
2: and and also I think adaptability is really important because what we created at the start was never going to be what what we've got now and we had to think about the the person the customer and for us the customer is the women who need support and education to help them into work so for us it's less about how our cakes taste although that is important and it's more about what are we making sure we're doing so that those women have exactly what they need to get ahead and get on and have independence so I think yeah we've really we have adapted a lot um and at times it's felt quite fast-paced but um It yeah I think what we've got going now and what we plan to do next year is going to be of real benefit to those people that we we want to serve Mm
0: -hmm. so valuable to hear you reflect on um yeah just keeping the the priority and the focus of of what you're doing sort of central to everything and and also I think it's so interesting to consider that you know lots of people have ideas and I think there is a tendency to feel lack of confidence mm. or unsurety about whether this is something that actually I should even be wanting to get off the ground. And I think there's something that's coming through in a lot of what you're saying about, you know, just being brave and going out and reaching out to people and starting to talk about it and developing confidence to just share it and mm. to ask and, and mm. just mm. to put it out there. Cause, and then inevitably, as you say, then, you know, dates get set and then you can start to concretely work to something.
1: Hmm. yeah
0: um so in terms of the um referrals I know we've, we've touched on this already if people are working with um with people or if people themselves are wanting to apply for the program how can can one be referred in
2: um so at the moment we have um a criteria and a referral form um we've got we work with lots of different safe houses at the moment. So we've got a database that we kind of go out to. We're, Of course, we're always looking for new people that need our services. So um, it's just to get in touch with us um, online. So um, hello at uk is the easiest way probably to get in touch with us. But yeah, we have a referral form. And what we ask is that um, the caseworker who is working with that individual um, refers them on their behalf um just so we've kind of got um yeah just someone who is kind of a constant contact for us um to communicate with um and then we kind of follow that that up sometimes with an informal interview um and then they're um processed through to us and we do actually have a first come first serve basis at the moment just because the need is great and unfortunately we can't cater for all the ladies that are coming to us and we want to grow that and hopefully we will um but yeah it's it's first come first serve so we tend to kind of say july time we're opening we're opening applications for september and then um see what comes in uh, and you have touched on this already
0: but just to hear some more about your plans for 2021 so your uh, adapting the program it's going to change a little bit uh next year can you elaborate more on what these big plans that you have for next year
2: Mm. so at the moment we have space for six women um as holland said before we're renting a premises at the moment free of charge we hope to be able to have something that is more regular um We're just working out at the moment how that looks and whether we collaborate with somebody else um, or we get somewhere of our own. Um, But the idea is that it provide us with an opportunity to have um, bigger space so we'll be able to facilitate um, more ladies. So we hope to be able to have space for 10 women on each programme that we run and we want to be able to run that three times a year. So we hope that with that we can go from six to 30 um, and then increase that year on year. Um, And it would be amazing to be able to see every woman that was in a safe house coming on Brabber Bakehouse. And that's kind of where we want to want to get to. Um, So, yeah, we hope to be able to see 30 um, and that would be great to not have to turn anyone away. Incredible. Really big plans. That would be an an incredible
0: milestone Mm. to start seeing that number of people each year. Mm. What an impact.
2: Yeah, it would be nice (laughs) to not it would be nice to not say no. Um, Yeah. And it is, yeah, it is very hard and can be heartbreaking because you're reading stories that you, you know they need the programme, it's just there's not the space. Mm. Um, and for us, that was where, again, the the adaptability came into it is we've got this need, we've got to be able to cater for these people. And how do we do that? We, we need someone who's working um, on this and is more kind of committed to it than just evenings, weekends, around and about. Um, and we need our own... Premises to be able to do it more regularly, so those two things we hope will propel us and um, yeah, just help us and help women that need it. So,
0: excellent. Good luck with that. I really, really hope it all works out. That's incredible. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have though for today. Thanks for coming onto the podcast and for sharing with us. Oh, thank, you thank you for thank inviting you for us. Having us.
2: Yeah, great definitely.
0: pleasure. Thank you. Uh, what should people do then if they would like to find out more or get in touch with you? Um, so,
1: they can follow us on our social media, so Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We also have um, a website, brambabakehouse.co.uk. Uh, They're the kind of ways to see what we're about and then um, what we're up to. So, yeah. Brilliant. I'll include all of that information also
0: in the show notes, as always. So, thanks again to both of you, Lucy and holland Thank you thank so much you. for your time. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having
1: us. Yeah, it's yeah. been wonderful. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And thank you to the listeners or the viewers. Until the next one, goodbye. Thanks again to Lucy and Holland for this conversation. Thanks also to you for listening. All the links to information about the work featured in this episode are in the show notes. Find us on Twitter at Actions Podcast. You can watch the video recording of this discussion on our YouTube channel. The link is also in the show notes. To get in touch or to suggest a topic to be featured in an episode, either direct message us on Twitter or alternatively email actionspodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe wherever you download your podcasts and feel free to leave a review.
1: You've been listening to Actions, Responses to Trafficking podcast. Music used in this episode is Inspiration, written by Rayful Crux and sourced from freepd.com. Actions is produced and presented by Catherine Baldekina.